Welcome to another referral slip. I'm with you as always, and I'm Vanessa. <laughs> and who else is with me as always? Could it be Darren? Perhaps. My, sl <laughs> my slip is showing. Yes, here we are yet again. And we, <laughs> as we've uh, had before, we've had questions from Robert Ward sent to us. And this time, boy, wow. <laughs> he outdid himself. <laughs> The email. <laughs> Boy, did we get a big email full of a lot of questions. Um, Darren, yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say about all those questions? I think it is rad that we are being written into. And some of them have made me have to ask for extra time to I know. really consider. These are, I don't want to kiss your ass because you're writing into us, but I kind of do. But, <laughs> uh, you know, these, these are some of, I, I like questions that aren't too easy. Right. No, I, I agree. There's some interesting questions definitely and in fact we got so many this time that we decided we we're going to split it in between uh this episode and um our next full one so before do we have anything else to uh to uh, talk about before we get into this uh the mailbag <laughs> no no uh we got a Big bag, big bag of Robert, and <laughs> that sounds like a funk band. Yeah. <laughs> it plays with uh, that theater pasta thing that we were talking about the other night. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, I think we've already told everybody on the last episode that the movies we are doing next, right? I think we right? announced, we announced yes, that. Yes, we did. We did. All right. So, and since next episode we're doing two movies and no book, we also felt that, you know, we could put some more of these Robert questions in that episode. So yeah. They're book related, so it counts. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We're still talking about books. Yep. <laughs> so, Darren, would you like to read the first question? The very first question? The very first question. All right. Robert asks, what book or books have you read that you personally feel are most important to you or beyond, as in could be beneficial to others? I knew the reputation of The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath and wanted to read it for some time due to my own battles with depression and suicidal thoughts, but honestly, nothing could prepare me for when I finally listened to the audiobook read by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie is always fantastic, but the book is without a doubt not just important personally, but what I would consider one for all time. If I were rich, I would buy the book by Pal and force them on people. <laughs> I know Vanessa has a connection to this book as well, but for me, if I try to think what would be the most important book I've probably read, this is the one that springs to mind. Another book, although not as strongly as Bell Jar, I feel is incredibly important as Persepolis by Marjane Satrapi, or Marjan. I, I think it's Marjan. It's Marjan. Yeah. 
Marjan Satrapi, a graphic novel of a woman's recollection as a child during the religious coup in Iran. I believe Darren said that he has read this one too, so he may be able to back me up, but I think it's a great example of how the us and them mentality is bullshit. The art is simple and done in black and white, but it's still very strong and beautifully rendered. More people could use reading it to help demolish the bigoted idea that we are all just alike in many ways. Now that I shared two, what's yours? He addressed you first in the, well, in the thing. Okay. So I say you. Well, yes. The Bell Jar definitely is a significant one for me personally as far as when I read it. And, and yeah, sure, the angsty whatever goth girl <laughs> teenage phase that, you know, there is a certain portion of society that goes through, particularly the 80s, whatever, <laughs> the goth scene that, there, that was going on there. That I, as someone who has, has dealt with bipolar illness I didn't know for years many years what was going on and there were physical things that were going on with me that the doctors couldn't explain that later on we figured oh magically (laughs) ding 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 (laughs) there's a reason why they were happening and it might be because of the brain so when I stumbled upon the bell jar it was probably when I was starting to have a lot of those symptoms like strong symptoms for the first time and granted you know the the account of like electroshock therapy is terrifying <laughs> not thankfully i never have had to go through that even though i have had a stay uh, a, a hospital stay but it's still i i think it's from a literary point of view there's sylvia plath has a lot to offer with her prose style because she because she's also a poet and she brings that kind of in and out of her prose and i think it's it, it creates a very interesting read and so i mean there's this additional literary merit not just maybe stories that people can relate to that have had not necessarily even a mental illness kind of uh you know struggle but just feeling the sense of otherness in society because there is a lot of this yes i feel in this work environment this party environment this school environment whatever this otherness so i think that works in a lot of ways but another book that i would say that is actually very important to me that I think could be beneficial to others is Angela Davis's um, Women Race Class. It's there are a lot of things that she says in there. I had read here and there over different sources and philosophies type things over the years just kind of strewn about but she brings so much of it all together in this intersectional way and it can be applied to so many different aspects aspects of things in society and I think it also condenses in a way <laughs> to some extent all of these different ideas that if you brought it to someone who was unfamiliar to some extent with a feminist kind of philosophy or you know or history or a you know history about cl- around class and race if you you know bring them all together in this one pretty easy to read it's not that it's not that long of a book and there's just it's just very powerful so yeah th- th- those are my two I would throw out there okay I I never read the bell jar <laughs> please tell me you're kidding I am <laughs> I'm just like, please tell me. No, no, I went to college. <laughs> you think I've never read The Bell Jar? They didn't have that at, at my college. Oh, it was... <laughs> I, I couldn't... Uh, it was either in my uh, Globalization and its Effects on Women course ah. or one of my English... I took so many. I my uh, 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 Well, this will sort of spin into my books. Mm-hmm. Um one of the first book that I wanted to mention was On the Road by Jack Kerouac. I know it's cliche, but I read it when I was 15, when I had just started playing music, and mm-hmm. it really put the drive around America and meet people and do shit into, into my head before any cool rock doc books or mm-hmm. anything like that. And <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> That's a good choice. <laughs> and Hell's Angels by Hunter Thompson. So 
sort of that the on the road Jack Kerouac and Hunter Thompson are probably two of my bigger influences when I went to college because I started mm-hmm. out as a journalism major and then that switched to my advisor saying well uh, English literature degree is easier to spin into journalism or other careers as traditional journalism is always changing and the, right. the Hunter Thompson immersion really styled the creative nonfiction which was my minor and I wrote for the school paper well what the digital paper you know mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't really print it which is and college is where I read oh so yeah Hunter Thompson everybody that's listening if you don't know Hunter Thompson you probably won't get into him and everybody that knows him doesn't really need any more explanation uh, so in college one of the <laughs> like higher level English classes that I found was a, a difficult history through comic books mm-hmm. and Persepolis was one of the first books we read in that class it was uh like mouse persepolis pride of baghdad uh safe area garage dope by joe sacco which was about uh more war and his time with the the un convoy and a lot of immersive writing but persepolis by marjan satrapi i am glad you brought it up because that is a book that i would recommend anybody read i also would recommend the movie that came out in 2007 yeah i would too and yeah it's it's definitely a perspective you know Marjan was a young Iranian girl who grew into a woman. None of that is me, <laughs> you know, talking of otherness. And she is uh, an amazing writer, an amazing feminist, or I just want to say an amazing activist because she, she does, you know, so much. And yeah, uh, growing up in the, I, I think it was initially in two books, if I'm not mistaken. That yes, it combi- was. Combined it was. into well, a larger one, but mm-hmm. You know, the first Mm -hmm. part is her childhood during the Islamic Revolution in Iran. And then the second half is like her teen years uh, going to school in Austria, I think it it was. And then growing up and getting married. And uh, I can't say enough good about the book. So those, I guess, would be my three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, I could figure out more, but I'm just trying to limit this since, you know, we do have, we have other questions to get to. Yeah, Robert, don't hog all the time. We got to get, give Robert a chance. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay, so question number two. Robert asks, <laughs> what is your favorite and least liked adaptation? This can be comic, play, book to film, or vice versa. I can certainly think of a few cases where books have been tidied up and made into superior and arguably more emotionally moving films. One by Newton Thornburg instantly springs to mind, but if I can be honest, I'm going to cop out on my own question and instead advocate a controversial thought. I I believe that Stephen King is better served by adaptations than what he actually wrote. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Con- yeah, that that is a controversial thought. That is. Okay, he goes on. I know that's blasphemous, but from what I read, I think the film the film adaptations are not just better, but I fail to even see the appeal of his novel sometimes. Yes, I just called Stephen King overrated. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's what uh, Bill Burr would call some cold lotion right there. I'll try to continue slowing slowing reading his work since I admit since I admit I've I've only read a few of many in comparison to wait huh, I just lost my place. Okay. Let me retry that. I'll tr- I'll try to continue slowing reading his work since I admit I've only read a few of the many in comparison he has written but but in every case the film has the film is always is always better for me. As for my favorite, my least favorite film adaptations by an author's work, that's a tough one and not one I have a readily available answer for. I've do- I've been trying to single out an answer, but having a difficult time answering it. So we'll just be leaving it as is. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> Throwing down the gauntlet. And then stepping back. I'm anxious to see if the two of you can pick out favorites and least favorites, or if you will be like me and fail to pin down particular releases. (laughs) Wow, there's a lot to unpack in that. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Stephen King is overrated. Whoa. Well, 
Jaren, I'm going to put this to you first. <laughs> uh, okay. So. Okay. <clears throat> so what is your favorite liked or, or like most liked adaptation? That is a tough one. This is probably not my favorite, but it's one I've been thinking about the last few days. Mm-hmm. A couple days ago, I saw that a theater department at a college had summarized the entirety of Shakespeare's plays using mm-hmm. memes from The Office, and it just really cracked me up. I know you're you're a, right. theater, you're a theater person, and yes, <laughs> I, I did some theater when I was younger, but then in school, I took about two classes on Renaissance drama, two sh- two particularly Shakespeare classes, right. and a couple theater classes. So I, in one of those classes, I read and watched, well, I read Titus Andronicus, mm-hmm. and I watched the movie Titus from 1999 with, uh, starring Anthony Hopkins as Titus, Jessica Lange as Tamora, Alan Cumming as Saturninus, or Saturninus? Uh, that's Saturn actually something. one that I'm not as familiar with. Oh, okay. Despite having taken my, yeah, same kind of theater classes that you took, yeah. Okay, so it, it's, um, it's more modernized and avant-garde, mm-hmm. the movie. Right. Uh, it's basically uh, epic revenge tragedy of brutal savagery based on Roman times. And, um... I've got a lot of time for that movie. It's, like I said, it's not necessarily my favorite adaptation, but it's been on my mind. As for Stephen King, who I do not think is overrated, I'll, I'll say a controversial thing. I don't think that Stephen King is overrated, but I definitely haven't read all of his stuff. And my favorite adaptation of his... Okay, my favorite adaptation of his that he hates is The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> really? I hadn't heard that before. <laughs> um... It's not Cujo or whatever. What else did he have problems with? I think he's stepping, he steps away from maximum overdrive a little bit. <laughs> um, and that's him adapting himself. <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't think he remembered that at all. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had, who does, who does it? Is it Bo? Who does the good? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you scream or whatever. Yes. So yeah, my favorite Stephen King adaptation that he hates is shockingly The Shining. And if I can ramble a little bit longer, if you're still trying to think of yours, because I, I know I can get a couple if you don't mind cutting out a couple stammers. No, no, actually, I have uh, a couple answers. A couple, because I can't I'm, I'm, I'm indecisive in a little bit, but one, and actually we will be covering this in October. The, the book is, it's Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, and it was turned into the movie, the 1963 movie directed by Robert Wise called The Haunting. So yeah, that, that's one of my favorite uh, adaptations, definitely. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it is my favorite, but it, you know, we all talk about it later, like I said. <laughs> That's why we're doing it, because like, I do love that so much. And uh, I've never gotten to really talk, sit and talk to anybody about it at, at length. Um, I better make sure <clears throat> but I anyway, watch the movie this time. Instead of fake don't watch, don't watch that horrible remake, okay? The With the Catherine Zeta-Jones, even though she's hot as fucking hell in that. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, you're just like, uh, excuse me? Oh, but it, it, yeah, everything's so wrong about the remake. But there's better, the original, better I'm saying the original is just right it's it hits all the notes it hits all the notes and actually i was in when i was in high school i was in a theater production of it and the film is very much the theater production uh, i'm not exactly sure which came first off the top of my head but if they wrote it for theater before they translated it to the screen it makes sense and maybe that's why it works i don't know so there's that but i am also going to pick a distinct play <laughs> that i've been thinking about a lot lately. It is the Harvey Firestein play and movie 
movie Torch Song Trilogy. Mm. And he he wrote the he wrote and starred in the play on Broadway and then he well and then of course he's stars in it on screen as well but and he did the screenplay like adaptation of it. I don't think he directs it, but like Matthew Broderick is in the film actually and had been in on stage as well in the production. But it's a an Anne Bancroft is in the movie. Uh fabulous. Oh my god, just the, the Jewish mother I have always wanted to be. Uh <laughs> she's just like she's just amazing in that. But it's it's all about a gay man in like 70s 80s kind of trying to i mean continue to accept himself and having his trying to get his mother to accept him and being gay and trying to like fall in love and navigate that and have a kid and and everything when yeah that was before that kind of thing was really talked about that much and kind of around the time aids was becoming a thing when it all came out and it's a great piece of theater and it's just so well written the stage play actually incorporates and they do it some in the movie but it's written specifically into the stage play that you have a score of like woodwinds like okay this section like between scenes is all oboes and you know whatever else it just and it kind of is to help create the mood and like becomes almost like another character of it but <laughs> hmm. so yeah I was thinking about that the other day I, I haven't seen that movie in a while I thought of a couple adaptations that I really didn't like Okay, good. Yeah, I was going to say, what's your least favorite? It's... Or least liked? Like, I don't know. I... Least liked is probably about, yes, is the accurate accurate question being asked here. You know, we were talking about Beach Reads not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was... uh, It took a minute to come to mind, but I actually am a... I, I love uh, folklore and mythology, and I don't think I've ever told anyone this. I don't think it's a shameful thing to say, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Percy Jackson books. Okay. I don't know if you've read them or seen the movie. I have seen the movie. Okay. The movie... At least part of it. <laughs> okay. The books are a bit more young adult, but they are not really as cheesy as, as I feel like the movie was. Or maybe seeing it in front of my face just shows me the brutal truth and I'm fooling myself. Myself, but I remember really enjoying the books and then uh, saw the movie. And uh, maybe it's because in the books they have all kinds of uh, Greek mytho- mythological creatures and tie-ins and modernizations that it's just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, in the movie, I, I thought was pretty lame. And The Lovely Bones. It was... Really? Yeah. I And it's just because, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's just, it invokes totally different feelings in me than the book does. I think it's a beautiful movie. Movie, and I think that I can't really find any faults in it except for when comparing it to the emotions and different arcs in the book. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was what? Peter Jackson direct that movie? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I. So it looked beautiful. Yeah. I haven't read the book, so I can't compare, but it looked beautiful. I can guarantee that. You know, the whole book is <laughs> is first person, like the narration, and it's just like, it, it's one of the last books that I read. I think I read this about 15 years ago or something like that, and it, I, it made me like choke up and tear up reading it, and I just didn't get that from the movie, which had a lot more, I don't know. But, I, and I, like I said, I, I don't dislike the movie. It's just, it could have been called something else almost from the evocation right i don't know <laughs> and yeah as i yeah, you said you never read the book i don't it was right re- it was recommended to me by the woman that i was dating at the time and it was pretty brutal and sad and beautiful and the movie was just kind of sad and beautiful right you're gonna cut out this whole ramble i hope right no i just well <laughs> that's okay <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying i unfortunately do not have an answer to this i'm sorry i I'm trying to rack my brain and I was grasping at straws don't feel bad yeah I'm just I'm I I don't know I I and I'm sure as soon as we finish recording and everything and later on when I'm taking a shower and I'm washing my hair I'll all of a sudden be like oh my god and I just have like a brilliant thought why did they make the (laughs) hobbit into three movies (laughs) 
Well, because I always get my brilliant ideas when I'm washing my hair. I don't know why. It just happens that way. It's shower thoughts um, is a thing. Anyway. Yeah. So I might have to add an addendum when I <laughs> post the show. <laughs> I can't, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't think of a, a least liked adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's hard. I think that's kind of a hard question because it's totally mm-hmm. different. You know, when I was stammering through the lovely bones, it's, right. it, and it's also why I, I understand that Stephen King could be upset that Stanley Kubrick didn't produce his vision and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But as Stephen King, whom I love, will admit, sometimes he himself did not convey his vision. So it's, it's different things. There's different strengths to the medium. It's a good right. question, but it's definitely tough. Right. Okie dokie. So let's go on to the third question. <laughs> We're plowing through. Or do we or do we wanna take a break? No, let's go let's do one more question and then we'll take a break. Okay. Okay. Darren, would you like to read this? Yeah, as uh the what book or books, yes. if any. Yes. Okay. What book or books, if any, have you read that you simply failed to get only to revisit later on and like more? As a major fan of Morrissey, I felt compelled one year to finally read By Grand Central Station I Sat Down and Wept by Elizabeth Smart. I didn't dislike it, but really struggled to read it. I ended up finishing it. It wasn't Dante's Inferno difficult, but I failed to connect with it on a truly appreciative level until a few years later. When I decided to give it another try, it was truly like reading a completely different book. The second run-through was much easier and seemed to connect to me much more than the first time around. The book flew by and my appreciation was ten times more than what it previously had been. Have have there been times when something was too difficult or unable to register like it would later? I have an answer for that. Alright. I, I think some of it can be where you are in your mindset of life as far as you know are you kind of down and not feeling like into reading a certain kind of book or age can be a factor you know like if you have certain life experiences like for instance for me is as probably all of us had or most of us had we had to read heart of darkness (laughs) by joseph conrad (laughs) we all had to read that at some point in middle school or high school or college okay (laughs) or more than once well that was my point i was gonna say (laughs) is that the first time i had to read it and i'm i want to say it was like seventh grade age when i was even younger than because i was ahead in school so i was maybe 12 when i first read it okay and then i had to reread it probably my freshman year of college so when i was 17 i it, it hit me on a whole other different level I have since voluntarily <laughs> reread it multiple times and kind of dig it, even though it's not my usual. It, it's I've read other things by Conrad. He's not my typical write, you know, writer that I kind of gravitate towards. <laughs> but there's something about that story and the way he tells it and the way it unfolds, and it, you know, it's fantastic. And that was something that age, I think, my, you know, obviously the perspective of a 12-year-old versus a 17-year-old. You do grow so much mentally in that time. So that's an obvious kind of situation. But I would even say the same thing of if you're an adult and say you read something when, you know, you're in your 20s or, you know, early 30s. And then all of a sudden you reread it later and maybe your parents passed away or something like that. And you and there's something about it that you can relate to on a different level because of that that life experience that you went through. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally feel you. I, I I think I've gone on about this a couple times before, but there's definitely horror movies and shit where I used to be like, yeah, fuck that kid. And now, <laughs> <laughs> now some things hit the dad, hit the dad in me. And I'm like, no, that, yeah. that, that kid does the thing like my kid. Don't fuck that kid. Don't fucking, don't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile i'm meanwhile i'm still like that kid deserves that shit <laughs> and i know that deep down <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> i don't always do that just that. The, but yeah just yeah <laughs> like pet cemetery is different now i used to just be scared oh, of the sister absolutely oh, of course i get that <laughs> i could understand that not all movies like i, I still don't really like uh what's that kid's name bob <laughs> <laughs> no one likes bob <laughs> bob can go suck it <laughs> like just <laughs> I, 
wonder who disliked more, Bob or Shelly. Oh, God. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Both are just the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so back to, yes, you were saying what book or books you failed to get. (laughs) What was your answer, Darren? (laughs) Ah, my answer. You tried to deflect the question. (laughs) I am really good at that. I'm a middle child and a child of divorce, so I'm just bouncing everything away from the focus. Um, It's probably more the middle child thing as a way of getting, please cut this part out. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. (laughs) Sure. The only child, as the only child i will sit here and just laugh laugh <laughs> i <laughs> would you say <laughs> i would say it's it's not a book that i finished and i didn't get it's a book that i got about 100 pages into and then i said i need to start this over uh it's a book called the city and the city i don't know it's by um i will not get their last name right china <clears throat> Mive. They're they're they were British author, but it sounds like a French name. It's M I E with a thing up above it. Mm-hmm. V I L L E. So I'm thinking Mive, or I don't know. I I am not one to ask. I'm sorry. In American, <laughs> it would be Mivel. Um, but since you aren't familiar with the name, uh, the the book, which I really wasn't getting, it's police procedural slash experimental fiction about this city. Well, these two cities that exist in the same space and. And you're not allowed to interact with the other city and there's police trying to solve a crime that has to do with both cities and it's it's as weird as it is sounding right now you can't see but i'm scrunching my brow like what the fuck is that supposed to mean <laughs> sorry i had to verbalize that i couldn't continue that i was just like ah. no no i it, it won a, a huge Hugo Award. I just pulled up a thing about it. It won a Hugo okay. Award. It won a Locus Award. The Arthur C. Clarke Award. Mm-hmm. The World Fantasy Award for Best Novel. It, um, yeah, like the first paragraph in the description is Inspector Tador Borlu of the Extreme Crime Squad in the fictional European city-state of Bezel investigates a murder of a foreign student found dead with her face disfigured in a Bezel street. And yeah, it's, it's one of those books that you get a hundred pages into and you make a decision. You're either... (laughs) (laughs) You're either... You know, <laughs> you make a decision. You make a decision. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Got um, it. I've I've heard uh, our good friend Witch said that they are adapting or they have adapted it into a short run miniseries. Okay. So I'm going to be very interested to see what they do with that. But yeah, that book. maybe it's something that would translate better to that kind of thing, that format. Yeah, it, it and was... like an episodic kind of thing. You know what I mean? I hope so. Because I I don't even know if I got it, but I started right. over and I read it all. And you think you got it. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it or I got something. I got something. Right, right. So that's that's my first answer. And I get I if the question ended with have you read something that you simply failed to get Virginia Woolf for me i've read a lot of virginia wolf mm-hmm. and amanda my wife is a big fan of virginia wolf i don't think there's anything wrong with virginia wolf but there's sort of these this is a basic summary of my and her me and her talking about to the lighthouse okay have you read it yes i have okay i said i'm a lesbian it's a requirement <laughs> I said, so they just <laughs> go to the lighthouse? And she said, yes, exactly. <laughs> that That's where we are on it. I... <laughs> Darren. Yes. Like I said, as a lesbian is my requirement to read <laughs> multiple pieces of Virginia Woolf fiction and nonfiction. And I'm not completely with you. However, <laughs> I'm stepping into that boat. <laughs> <laughs> To use the lighthouse metaphor. <laughs> and I totally get that. And her life is tragic and interesting. Totally. And I think in the payback for making her watch movies she hates over mm-hmm. on the Psycho Semantic, I think she's going to have 
me watch The Hours for the first time. Oh, you haven't seen that? Nope. <laughs> as, a person, as a person who doesn't get Virginia Woolf, I definitely did not search out movie adaptation. Okay. You'll have to get with her if you want to gang up on me on it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I can't say anything negative about Virginia Woolf, but that is, if the question ended with simply failed to get that is the first author of whom of whose work I have read much and just it bounces off my head and it you know <laughs> yeah I, I just don't get it and and Darren all I have to say before you watch the hours is in my thought the only reason Nicole Kidman won the note the uh, Academy Award for that film is because of the uh, ugly nose prosthetic I'm just saying you <laughs> <laughs> it's distracting <laughs> oh god I just watched her in dead calm last night thing is she's she can act in other things but I just that was not her strongest work yet she won the Oscar for it <sighs> I wonder what she was Oscar you are uh, the the academy awards are in. they're stupid so, so anyway <laughs> like what do they know not a lot <laughs> Anywho, so do we want to take, what, what kind of time are we looking at, Darren? Do we want to take a break now? Yeah, we're about half hour, 40 minutes. Okay. Or if you want to so, cut that part out in case you cut it down to less. Uh, yeah, I get it. We're guess, at some minutes. Okay, whatever. So let's take a break and we will be back in a moment. Doms and subs, masters, mistresses and slaves, owners and pets, daddies Mommies and littles, primals and prey, switches, heathens, kinksters and deviants, welcome to Legion After Dark. Legion After Dark is a movie review podcast with a kinky twist. I'm your host, Lady M, and every episode I'll be reviewing a movie with a BDSM or kink theme. I'll also be talking about books, sex toys, bondage equipment, all the fun things that make life grand. I'll be featuring a different kink each episode, and I'll even give you a song to sing to. So join us on Legion After Dark, coming soon to Legion Podcast Network. The dulcet tones of the, Darren. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I'm, I'm practicing to either narrate a golf match or... <laughs> no, talk, don't. ...talk to someone on a late night airplane. Air. <laughs> Do you want the good no. news or the bad news first? I think that the uh, listeners need to have the good news first. So, uh, Darren, if you will. Okay. Well, this, uh, this good news has a couple parts. One part is I read a book... <laughs> I read a book. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, I read a book that wasn't required reading for this show. Ooh. Yeah. I read a book that is good and I am recommending to you right now. The other part of the good news is the movie is out now as of the planned release date for this show. And the and, even... And the, the movie is out August 10th. Yes. To be specific. Yeah. The movie is out August 10th or was out on August 10th. And the even best news is... I have somehow managed to... Is hornswoggle a bad word? Can I say hornswoggle? <laughs> Bamboozle or trick or coerce or beg my wonderful co-host, you, Vanessa. You might yes. be aware that you've agreed to this. I am aware. We are going to talk about the movie over on my other show, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast. If you've talked to any of us, you may have figured this out by now, but the novel The Black Klansman by Detective Ron Stallworth is a pretty damn good book. I just read it and the movie is uh the movie is what uh directed by spike lee and yes produced by the 
even more liked by me just because I'm a big fan of Get Out, yeah. Jordan Peele. And I, I think it's that's going to be a good combination, actually. I'm hoping. Yeah. It, at the very least, it'll be interesting. If anybody's unfamiliar with the story, it's basically Colorado Springs, Colorado. Ron Stallworth was just starting out in, in the police force. Uh, in 1979, he noticed a want ad for the KKK. And from there, he, a black policeman, managed to infiltrate the KKK. And it's really interesting. And he talks about, there's not just that story. And there's the, you know, the the, coincide, the coinciding story of dealing with KKK, but also dealing with racism within the police force and bigotry and other things like that. Um, I, I don't really want to give too much away because you either should be reading the book right now or you've just seen the movie and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> One of the parts was very interesting to me was as a police officer, he has been to an event with KKK members and the person who pretends to be him in person because he can only do stuff over the phone for obvious reasons. Right. And he witnesses an event and then over the phone, he hears about the event from the, the clans people or the clans person in particular. And it's sort of an interesting look. It's not a big part of the book, but it's an interesting look at how stories change when you're, you don't know that the person already knows what you're talking about. I would definitely, obviously, this is my recommendation. So I... I... <laughs> Yeah, the the Black Klansman by Ron Stallworth. That is one that has definitely been on my to read list as well. So, and if you do the audiobook, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are into audiobooks. I like audiobooks. I sort of alternate, but he reads the book. Oh, cool. Yeah, just uh, I listen to a sample and he reads the book. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> sounds uh, yeah. Again, like I said, it was already my to uh, to read list, but uh, I will definitely uh, bump it up some. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it and, and you know, and, and maybe, you know, I, I'll get to the movie before the book, but still, um, yeah, it'll definitely be bumped up. So now... <laughs> <laughs> Well, not every visit to the doctor's office or to the clinic is brought with good news. Um, I have a little warning <laughs> from a certain movie that is easily my worst first time watch of 2018 at this point. And uh, I'm sure it will stay there <laughs> because it's pretty awful. Now, it's a movie that I knew was going to be bad. <laughs> Okay. And I actually like a lot of bad movies. I mean, God, I was the one who brought to the tables as our first episode Showgirls. So, (laughs) you know, I like movies that are kind of bad, but that is a a good, like, that's an instance of a movie that that it's so bad, it's good. Okay. There's a lot more working, you know, going on, but there are other movies that I'm fine with them being just bad and whatever. Still, you can have fun with it. That's fine. Mindless fun. And that's why I turned this movie on even though I had heard how bad it was so I I knew my expectations were already very very low but (laughs) um oh my goodness it was worse than worse it, it was worse than I thought the movie is the 19, no, the 2000 uh, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez joint, Geely, as in rhymes with really. Oh my God. Oh uh, yeah, that's a, that's a line that happens multiple times in the movie. <laughs> um, it's got even Christopher Walken and Al Pacino in it, and not even they can save their the, any their scenes. And God, even Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are better actors than they are in this like that is just how bad this script and the directing is the script oh my goodness the dialogue is just painful and so on top of that it is also and it takes a lot to offend me it really really does and i really like a certain amount of like exploitation whatever cult grindhouse movies that yes are meant to shock and a quote-unquote offend. They don't offend me. The, you know, there are very few that I find offensive. And this, it was so insulting to people who are mentally challenged. I can't, I, I don't even want to go into how bad it was. It, it was just shameful. And you can say, oh, it, you know, it was because that was then and we're watching it in, you know, 2018 eyes. No, these were criticisms that were brought out by different, whatever, I don't, not Roger 
Roger Ebert, but whatever other <laughs> critics were out there, these were the criticisms you heard then, that it was insensitive. Even in 2000, it was considered that way. And then, and I can handle this, but it, and it was more annoying to me, but it's not particularly sensitive either, is that Jennifer Lopez's character is supposed to be a lesbian and ends up falling for Ben Affleck. Oh, oh my God. It's just, uh, I mean, I was, the only good thing is I was sitting there watching it with a friend and we were both drinking and smoking a joint. <laughs> um, So that was the only thing that made it tolerable. But oh my God, I, I might be dumber for having watched it. I really might be dumber for having watched it. And I can't tell people just out of morbid curiosity. I wanted to say I had seen it to see it. Okay, I totally did. I admit that. I'm like that with certain films. Whatever their quality may be. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, you know, have seen <laughs> a certain amount of Fellini films, but you know, but <laughs> it's the same kind of morbid curiosity of I have to see what it is, no matter how good or bad it is. And if it's good, great, but oh my God, this was just terrible. Oh, it was terrible terrible oh my, and then on top of it all darren you as a musician will appreciate this the score in it was the same mostly one piece of music played over and over again some synth type thing and it was the wrong tempo it was far too slow in certain scenes and you're like you don't <laughs> you want to understand how to create a mood i oh my god it was Oh my goodness. There were, I counted, there were probably four pieces of music total throughout the entire film. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. They made the music slow to make it seem like there was action going on on the screen? I or? guess. It's a two-hour movie. That's the even more painful part. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be a rom-com of, of sorts. And and I'm not even a rom, I'm not, I, I'm not a rom-com fan, but still, I'll, sure, I can sit through some. I can actually enjoy some. However, oh my goodness, this was just... Just an abomination to cinema. This, it, it was. It was. It really was. I mean, it really it's, got a, it's got a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't believe it's that high. I can't believe it's that high. A 2.4 out of 10 on IMDb. I can't believe it's that high. <laughs> just can't <laughs> just wait. It's, that high. it's got an 18% Metacritic. Oh my God. No, no, no. And 43% of people on Google liked this movie. Oh my God. No. 2003 so it wasn't it's 15 years old and it's i thought it was 2000 that it came out oh i don't know maybe it's 2003 google could be lying to me that's fine it may <laughs> <laughs> it, it's terrible it, it costs over 75 million dollars to make did you happen to look up how much it made in the box office it did not make a lot of money it, i mean i know that off the top of my head it just it, because it was so panned by critics on so many levels yeah it oh it was just bad it made about 10 times less than it costs to make it made around seven million dollars in the box office and and like i said even ben affleck and jen for Lopez who are better actors or have been in certain roles. Do you know what I mean? They're two people that I think they have to be in the right role or with the right script and director. Okay. But I don't totally dismiss either of them. But oh my goodness, they were terrible. And then when you, Christopher Walken, it, Al Pacino, like when they couldn't even save their scenes, it was just, it was sad. It was sad to watch. <laughs> It was a real analyze that moment or analyze oh this goodness. or whatever that movie was that uh, De Niro couldn't really save. You mean the sequel, Analyze That? Analyze um, This was the first one and then Analyze That was the second one. They made, yeah. they made more than one? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I didn't, uh, I, I have not seen either one of them, thankfully. Uh, you know. So, so yes, that movie is, I've put out this warning to everyone. And efforts of practicing safe cinematic viewing habits, do not watch Julie. That rhymes with really. Yeah. Which sounds just, like, yeah. It's just bad. I, I have not seen it and I am not joking this time. Like right. With, yeah. Right. So that's what I have to say but um on a i guess a i don't know do we have time for me to just throw out something on a lighter note 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we we need that uh, the lollipop after getting our shots. Just a quick lighter note, and I don't know, maybe we'll cover it at some point. I not that long ago just um, I rewatched with a couple friends of mine the Jordan Waters original 1988 movie Hairspray. Not the crap musical. I'm sorry. No, not that the musical is total crap, but I just I don't have any patience. I don't have a lot of patience for it because it's not as fil- it's not filthy. <laughs> <laughs> John Waters needs to be filthy, or at least filthier, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> it was it was just way too squeaky, squeaky clean for my taste. <laughs> it totally took that out of the story, you know. But anyway, I love that movie, and I hadn't seen it in a while, and it just I just had a really it just made me really really happy. It was like okay, I can always recommend John Waters movies, but that's one that I never gets old. I mean, you've got Ricky Lake. I mean, in Divine, of course, but Divine also playing a man for 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 once and um debbie harry (laughs) being fucking fierce is like all get out with her wigs oh my goodness she's fucking fierce yeah just young josh charles before he was in uh what was it dead poet society and unbreakable kimmy schmidt and what he's been on a million things over the years (laughs) anyway yeah and sonny bono and jerry stiller you know all these great people mr term termblad mr termblad Turnblad. Turnblad, yeah. <sighs> Wilbur Turnblad, who owns the Hardy Hard Joke Shop. Yeah. Yeah, and then of course it's got, you know, the rest of the Dreamland kind of whatever players, the Mink Stole and those kind of familiar faces that are in all of their John Waters movies. So, and it's just good, it, you know, and it's got the whole fun musical aspect, which why I said, um, I guess, kind of hate on the musical is you don't need that. You've already got that in the original and it's like that era's proper music and they're good songs and they got specific the dances and everything specific to that era and it creates this whole picture too of that time period that's an important part of the story i think mm-hmm. i don't know but yeah so that's that's the my last little fuzzy lollipop for everyone <laughs> <laughs> So, our next episode, tell us about it, Darren. What are we doing? In our next episode, we are doing our little break before going into September Handmaid's Tale, which is another one uh, back to the old question of liked adaptations, that show. (laughs) Yeah, but also, are we crazy? We are going to have a little bit of of fun before getting a bit more serious with Death to Smoochie and Orgasmo, aka Orgasmo! Movie about you have to say it like that made orgasmo yeah i'm shoulder boy (laughs) (laughs) sorry some guys from jesus (laughs) cut off their balls (laughs) oh my god it's gonna be bananas i gotta cut your balls off (laughs) um yeah (laughs) movies about behind the scenes of different very different forms of entertainment yes exactly (laughs) how the sausage party is made yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> works more in the second movie yeah, than the first, true. but yes. Anyway, at least you hope it works that way. Anywho, yes, that will be uh, a fun little break before we get into something very uh, heavy, <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. So, okay. Well, is there anything else you want to say, Darren, before we um, head out? No, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for the time, Vanessa, and thanks for the questions. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Robert, for the uh the questions please i know i know in a way we're we're kind of we're teasing you about like oh my god there's so many questions but no we love it it's like we 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 enjoy the interaction and we enjoy some of the challenge you've got some good questions going so uh yeah everybody if you want to send we would love more questions in fact you know and so you can email us at vdclinicpod at gmail.com and i'm gonna add the little tag blur on the end of this so all the social media stuff you don't have to go through it right now anyway <laughs> but i wanted to give out the email address because that's uh usually the best place to get us uh, questions so okay wonderful so well so say goodbye darren bye goodbye thank you for visiting us for another episode of the vd clinic if you'd like to contact us you can email us at vdclinicpod at gmail.com we're also on Twitter and Instagram as VD Clinic Pod. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. We would love to hear your feedback 
questions, suggestions, and more.